Welcome everyone to the first episode of Tie It Up. I'm your host, Jordan Ronowitz. Before we get into today's topics, I just want to go into why this podcast was created. I'm taking a class currently called Sport Management 2450 Sociology of Sport with Dr. McCray, and we were talking about gender equity and equality in sports, and one of our discussion boards challenged us to come up with something we could personally do to increase gender equity in sports for females and males. And I came up with the idea of making a podcast not only about Otterbein female sports, but professional sports to get more outreach in media about women's sports, because most of our sports media is predominantly dominated by male sports. And a lot of my fellow classmates didn't even know that the WNBA finals were happening right now, unless it was retweeted by the NBA. So this is just a way to get female sports out there and get more listeners, more viewers, and more people interested in talking about it. So the first topic I wanted to talk about today was the WNBA Finals between the Seattle Storm, which was number two coming into the bubble seated, and the Las Vegas Aces, who were number one. There was a 12-team wobble down in Florida that was a playoff, play-in kind of situation similar to the NBA. And these are the final two teams with their first game happening tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern. And this is a great year for the WNBA as their viewership grew 68% this year. more to, Due to more televised games nationally with other partnerships on ESPN and stuff like that. But you could still see more primetime games for female sports to increase gender equity. Now, when I speak about gender equity, there's a difference between equity and equality. Equality means making a fair playing field for everyone and kind of getting it, everyone gets the same thing. But the NBA is already well known, so if you make it equality and give the WNBA the same treatment, it's not going to be equal in the end. Equity focuses more on helping those that need it, and the WNBA needs more nationally televised primetime games, more media attention than men's sports because men's sports already have a natural interest in fan base. So this is going to focus on getting more of that equity side as opposed to equality. Both are good, but equity is more of what we're looking for in sports. So back to the WNBA Finals. The Seattle Storm will be without one of their sharpshooters off the bench and backup guard Sammy Whitcomb. She left the bubble due to her wife having their first child and returned to Australia. She is, has appeared in all 25 regular season games in the postseason, and she has been phenomenal off the bench for the Storm this year. She averaged 8.1 points, 2.3 rebounds, and 2 assists in the regular season. And in her three postseasons, she has averaged 5, 1.7 assists, and 1.3 rebounds off the bench for the Storm, so a big loss for them. Now, the number two seed Storm faced the top seed of Las Vegas Aces in Game 1 this Friday, just so you all know, recap on that. The Seattle Storm forward Brianna Stewart. This is her first time in the final since her season injury in 2019 after they won the championship in 2018. So she is looking for kind of a comeback story And what better way to come back from a season-ending injury than to win another title? Now, the Aces are led by 2020 WNBA MVP Asia Wilson. 
with 20.5 points per game and 8.5 rebounds in the regular season. So it's supposed to be a highly contested match. They're both two high-scoring offenses, great defenses, led by star power, Aja Wilson on the Aces side, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, and company on the Storm side. The games are scheduled at 7 o'clock tomorrow for Game 1. Game 2 is Sunday at 3 p.m. The third game is scheduled for Tuesday, October 6th at 7. Game 4, Thursday at 7 p.m. Game 5, Sunday, 10-11, 3 p.m. Seattle is seeking their fourth title of the WNBA. And Aces, during the regular season, were 2-0 and over the Storm. So the Aces are looking to continue that momentum into the finals. We will be updating those finals as we go throughout our podcast. And it's going to be a top story. I hope you guys tune in and watch some of the games. Give them some support. In other news, Los Angeles sparks forward. Naneka Okumike is the winner of the WNBA's Kim Parrott Sportsmanship Award. For the second year in a row. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I'm working on learning the names better. But I have not followed female sports for a long time. I'm trying to learn as my audience is along the way. So I will look up the proper pronunciation for future podcast. But this award is given to a player who exemplifies the ideals of sportsmanship including ethical behavior, fair play, and integrity. It is named after Perot, Kim Perot, a guard who helped guide the Houston Comets to the 1997 and 98 WNBA titles before dying in August 1999 from cancer. Naneka is the second player to win the Parrot Award two years in a row, following the Seattle Storm's Sue Bird, who won it in 2017 and 18, and retired Indiana Fever player Tamika Catchings, who won it the honor three times. Naneka averaged 13.3 points this season and 4.8 boards for the Sparks and was systematic and influential in the 2020s WNBA season's dedication to Breonna Taylor and combating systematic racism, sexism, and other social injustices. Naneka responds and says that it was an honor to receive the Kim Parrott Sportsmanship Award which she believed represents all the hard work from the players on and off the court to use our collective platform to enact change. She is the president of the executive committee of the WNBA's union and was extensively involved in the collective bargaining agreement negotiations when a deal was reached in January for the WNBA's bubble in Florida for this season. In other news, NBA 2K21 has included all 12 teams this year in the My Team mode, which Previously, they were in NBA 2K20, but did not have all 12 teams featured. All next-gen consoles of the game will feature a female My Player option for the first time in the franchise's history, with game modes such as the Neighborhood, My Park, and stuff like that. So trying to get more females involved in the gaming world and giving the WNBA recognition across a game that's sold to millions of people every single year they release it. So a little more interaction and some spotlight for the WNBA that they haven't had previously. Tops, In other news, Tops is 
producing the first ever women's softball set. It will be available online. This is the first time in 82 years that Topps is producing this. The set will include 56 cards of the world's top players, including 17 Olympians from the United States, Canada, Mexico, and Italy. These Olympians feature Kat Osterman, Jasmine Jackson, A.J. Andrews, Victoria Heyman, Amanda Chidester, Alicia Ocasio, Haley Wagner, Samantha Show, Tori Valdez, and Jessica Warren as a few. This will be $20 price tag available online at Tops.com. Once again, $20 at Tops.com. They will also offer a championship set since the championship starts in October 5th and will feature the athletes' unlimited softball league champion, the defensive player of the season, and other award and highlight cards. So be on the lookout for that. It's a great purchase to support women's softball. In other news, in women's golf, the Ladies European Tour has beat the dress code for Saudi Arabia and will be allowed to wear mid-calf or three-quarter length cutaway trousers and short sleeve polo shirts while competing for a prize money of more than a million euros. This same offer was not offered to the men when they were over in Saudi Arabia for the European Tour. The Aramico Saudi Ladies International is set with a $1 million U.S. prize pool and 784,620 euros. That is the second highest paid non-major on the Ladies European Tour this season, and there will be two events there, so that will be a combined prize money up for grab more than a million euros. This will be taking place November 12th through 15th, so mark your calendar and watch that. In other news in women's soccer and men's soccer referees, the Bibana Steinhaus, one of the most decorated referees in women's soccer and the first female referee in the German men's Bundesliga, announced her retirement Wednesday. This was a shocker since she was only 41, was very influential referee there, and did an early retirement summer questioning if it was due to COVID or other reasons. She has decided not to disclose those reasons until further notice. In other news, eight Australian sports federations, including people from tennis, rugby, and Australian rules football, issued guidelines on Thursday aimed at encouraging the participation of transgender athletes. This initiative is designed to break down the stigma faced by trans and gender diverse people and offer pathways from the community sport onwards, tackling an issue where sports have grappled to find a balance between fairness and inclusion. Bo Noel, the National Program Manager of Pride in Sport Australia, says this is a world first to see so many national sporting organizations in Australia coming together to collectively show their support for a particular part of our community. This is a great forward for transgender athletes, and I hope this continues over to the United States. But going off of the United States, it's kind of going backwards with our next story which is on a group of Republican senators that have introduced a new bill that would make it a violation of federal civil laws for schools to allow transgender females to compete in girls' sports. Under this proposed Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, schools that allow biological males to compete in girls' athletics could lose federal funding, according to this statement, by Senator Kelly Lueffel from Georgia, the bill's lead sponsor. Now, this is kind of going with something we talked about in class on Thursday, where we watched a video on transgender athletes in Maine and a couple other states, 
and this bill is kind of going against the progress that we've made in 2020 with a lot of these movements and in, in things and goes against kind of some of my personal feelings and I hate to see this bill passed because it would be a step in the wrong direction. We should be working to include transgender athletes in sports and this bill is led by Senator Mike Lee of Utah who is up for re-election this year. So he states that men and women are biologically different. That's just a scientific fact. For the safety of female athletes and for the integrity of women's sports, we must honor those differences on a fair field of competition. Now, that statement doesn't really sit well with me. I don't know if it sits well with a lot of you, but this is even controversy from women in their own sports on transgender athletes because in July more than 300 women involved in professional sports signed an open letter by members of Save Women's Sports to the NCAA's Board of Governors opposing transgender inclusion in college sports. So women that are already being suppressed in sports are suppressing a group that is arguably or about the same suppression of them. And they openly signed this letter to prevent them from participating in college sports because they believe that it won't be a fair playing field. Now, it doesn't sit right for me to prevent someone from being who they are and competing where they feel safe. But that's just me. So it's a hot topic between not only government officials, but people in the sport. So I'm going to be doing some more research on that and seeing how that bill goes. But Moving on into women's tennis, the French Open has happened currently, and reigning Australian Open champion Sophie Keenan continues showing off at the French Open, rallying a comeback victory to defeat Anna Bogdan. After losing the first set 6-3, to three, she won the second set 6-3 to in the third set 6-2. to two. So great job to Sophie Keenan. We will be doing continuous coverage on that French Open and seeing how that goes. Back to the WNBA news, Liz Cambridge, a center, one of the top centers in the league. She is a member of the Las Vegas Aces, who will be playing in the finals this year, has decided to do a photo shoot and playboy but this suit is unlike anything else that you typically see from playboy magazine as she is using it as a way to embrace her own sexuality and go against kind of the norms that female athletes are expected to be and kind of push forward some of those issues we're having in society right now with the black lives movement and she stated that She's never been able to embrace her sexuality in public because there's kind of this stereotype on athletes and being themselves. Most, especially female athlete in basketball, a lot of people assume that those athletes tend to be on the homosexual side, but they're never allowed to just be a female and show that they want to be sexy or they want to be themselves. Or She continues by saying, that her doing Playboy is like celebrating her sexuality, that she's a straight six foot eight woman who likes to have to who likes to have 
those opportunities to be yourself and be a woman. She is a human. It's what she does. As a female athlete, she feels that she's not allowed to be sexy and not allowed to be that person. That society just wants women in sports to sit down, shut up, go to training and play their sport and not be themselves and show off their feminine side. That they just got to be this competitor that is hungry and masculine and just ready to get out there and play their sport, but they can't be just a regular female. She was the second overall pick in 2011 by the Tulsa Shock. She also added in this article that being a female in sports, she feels a lot of pressure in regard to sexual identification. She spent a lot of years confused that if she was straight, if she was bi, if there was something wrong with her, that I'm, she's not attracted to girls because the stereotype is like every, that the society was expecting her to be gay and that she's like, no, I'm going against this stereotype and I like men and she likes to rem she talked about a story where she shaved her head at 18 or 19 and her mom sat her down and thought she was coming out as gay and she was like no i just look good with a shaved head this is what i want to do this is how i want to be i thought it was a good look for me it shouldn't be indicating something that i'm not and she did this shoot to be super girly and feminine for once and be really she's never got to be portrayed as something besides an athlete and she didn't get a platform to portray the other sides of herself outside of that athlete mindset in her whole life she's been focused on her sport but at the end of the day she's a human and she's fighting for things bigger than her sport so th this was this opportunity with playboy was an opportunity to get her message out there and inspire other stories similar to hers and I think it's a great platform. So if you want to check out that article and that issue of Playboy magazine, just to get that out there and hear her story, because it's similar to a lot of other people in the WNBA who are afraid to talk about it. I know a couple years ago that Lori Chamberlain from USA Softball did a similar thing in ESPN Bodies issue and was using that as a platform to express that female athletes can be pretty, can be different, can be different than that typical thing that society pictures women in sports or women in general, and that they all come in different kind of body shapes and sizes. So we're going to end it with that. I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode and continue to watch the WNBA bubble. If you have any questions, you can email me at If you have any questions, you can email me. I will be creating an email for this podcast. It will be something like tieitup at gmail.com, or you can follow our social medias. But I hope you enjoy this, and, and looking forward to episode two. See ya.